0: this morning I did not sing and worship with you Uh, I went over to Claremont First Baptist Church my friend Pastor Joel Fairley this was his last sermon in ministry he is hanging up his guns he is he's entering into the white ship and selling off into Valinor he is done he is he's he's and he's well. It's well deserved. And so I was worshiping at a different church this morning, uh, before, and I made it here on time. It's a miracle. Um, it was very sweet. I don't miss wooden pews. I do not wish. I, I don't. I don't miss that at all. But it is so different than the style that we worship in. So different, and yet the same piece of God is in the room. It is okay and even preferable that there are different expressions of worship. I do want to encourage you to experience all different types of forms of worship, because I do think it's valuable, and I do think that it enriches your spiritual walk. Um, You know, God will show up in different ways in different settings. But it was just sweet to see the face of Jesus from a different perspective, down the street, in a wooden pew, in a Baptist context. We might be looking at Jesus a little bit differently, but we're looking at the same Jesus. Pastor Joel and I—he's—he's a co-host on a podcast we do. It's called "The Art of Faith." That's actually the series that we're in right now, "The Art of Faith." And so we've been—we—we talk—we geek out about art history, and then we try to figure out how it how it can apply to life. That's basically the the gist of the podcast, and. Uh, And then in the sermon series that we're in right now, we are unfolding and and looking at the different expressions of art in our faith, how our faith, uh, it's not always the same. You look at things differently in different seasons of your life. There's an art to faith. I mean, yes, there are absolute truths. Yes, there is right, there is wrong, but in the... It's, the, the, the grace of god is multifaceted there's there's different ways that we can approach the throne room of god there's an art to your walk if you get stuck in a rut if you get stuck in a faith rut a religious rut don't don't stay in a rut there there's there's more There's another another way of looking at things. I guarantee you that my faith now is very different from my faith when I was a teenager. Yeah? When I was a teenager, I was burning for the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not burning for the Lord now. I'm just burning in a different way. It's a different color of fire. how we see Jesus in many ways is dependent upon where we are in our stage of life. To think about that, where where am I in my stage of life? And how is my current situation dictating what my faith is reflecting? And how, and maybe should I adjust the way that I not the should I adjust the perception of worship and the perception that I see Jesus. Let me clarify: Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is immovable. He is unchangeable. Amen? Amen. But we're the ones that are that are spinning around the galaxy here. So our perception is changing on looking at all the different dimensions of who God is. One of the most fascinating aspects of theology and and also one of the most confusing and at times one of the most divisive issues in theology is the theology of the whole of the holy trinity father son and holy spirit so just think about the holy trinity for a moment we we are a trinitarian church so we believe that they are all co-equal. We believe in the Godhead. And yet is very Godhead. I'm, I don't know. Quote, I just quoted quote Godhead. We believe in the Godhead. That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all uniquely different, and yet they're all the same. It's, it's an oxymoron. It's really hard to get your head around. And we've been trying to get our heads around it since, well, since Jesus came. One of the famous ways is Saint Patrick's clover, you know the, the the cute little clover with three leaves, right? It's the same plant has three different leaves: Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That helps. That's good. Some of the mainline denominations will have like interconnecting rings three rings connecting together and they all merge together and there's all a centerpiece and that's another way that we can think about father god and the holy spirit another good way that we can think about it is h2o water water has it's the same substance as three expressions you can have water as a solid you can have water as a steam you can freeze water it comes in different modes that one's borderline heresy by the way (laughs) (laughs) modalism is heresy anyway so if, if you take all of these diagrams and logical representations of what the Trinity is it is helpful the clover is helpful H2O is helpful interconnected rings is helpful but they're all man's logical attempts to reason it out. Well, and I'm gonna argue today that there's another way to look at it that's maybe not so logical, but maybe it will help you in your approach. Now, I think I'm gonna ask you another question that maybe will push on you a little bit. Is there a hierarchy to the trinity don't answer that out loud is there a hierarchy to the trinity is the father more important than the holy spirit is the holy spirit uh, more powerful than jesus is who who's more important like what's the order here right who outranks who you ever think you ever thought about that or is that just me who outranks who in the Holy Spirit? Who is submitting to who? God is God of order, right? So what's the order? The tough question. I have an answer. But the answer doesn't necessarily answer that specific question. The answer to the question is they're all equal. But what is priority to us? What is priority to the believer? Have you ever think about that? So in your personal life, in your faith walk, in in your expression of faith connecting to God, who out of the three is more important? Yeah, Jesus, thank you. Jesus is. Okay, so they're all equal. They're all immovable. They're all the same. Holy Spirit is 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 co-equal with God the Father and Jesus. But yet, Jesus Christ, for you and for me, is priority. I'll explain because there's an art to faith. And then again, it goes into perception and how we view him and how we see him, how we are connecting to Jesus. Two Sundays ago in this series, I did the art of the Holy Spirit, which was a very difficult one to do because there's not a whole lot of good art on the Holy Spirit, like actual visual arts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's usually, just, it's usually drawn up as a dove or as tongues of fire, maybe water, maybe wind. But the Holy Spirit is really hard to depict artistically. And doing it in film, forget about it. People that have tried to depict the Holy Spirit in film, it comes out really bad and cheesy. So that one's hard. But you want to know what is super easy to depict in art? It's Jesus. We got Jesus all over the place. Let's look at the first slide. All kinds of different Jesuses. We got Jesus coming from the clouds. We got black Jesus. We got Asian Jesus. We got shepherd Jesus. We got Jesus playing baseball. Any type of Jesus an artist has created. Let's keep going. Next slide. And there's more. Throughout time, throughout history, we have been depicting Jesus in specific ways. With the halo, he is holy. Da Vinci is almost perfect. We see sad Jesus. We see empowered Jesus. We see strong Jesus. We have Jesus that looks like Zeus. We have Jesus without a beard. Let's keep going. There we go. There's even some more Jesuses. They all look a little different. That one right there is probably one of the oldest representations that we have of Jesus. Probably around uh, 300 AD. I mean, that's kind of a ways away, but that's probably the, the oldest one that we have. The... The ones that were closest to Jesus, the artists and the people of faith that were closest to Jesus, they always referred to him as a shepherd. He's usually carrying a lamb on his shoulders. Isn't that great? That's usually what the ancients were doing when they were trying to depict Jesus. Let's keep on going. A little bit, uh, some of the modern, not modern, but more uh, famous Jesus. This is a famous Jesus. I did a sermon on that one a while back. That one's great. Uh, This is from a cathedral In uh, Istanbul, that's a Da Vinci. And then this one over here you might recognize as the Shroud of Turin. Now, the Shroud of Turin is either one of the greatest masterpieces in the Middle Ages. right? It is either one incredible work of art or it's literally a photocopy of Jesus' body. I'm voting for the second one. It's got to be. Because the artists weren't that good at that time. They could not have painted this that anatomically correct. There's no no way they would have got that right. That's usually what the critics don't talk about is how did the medievals get the body so perfect? They, they They can't do that. All right, next one. And then here's some more modern Jesuses that you might be familiar with. Uh... Jesus of Nazareth was what I grew up with. That one was great. I don't know who that guy is. He was a modern one that I I chose not to watch. Uh, Okay, so then uh, uh, Jim Caviezel, the Passion Jesus, is like right up there for me. Like when I'm thinking about Jesus, I'm thinking about Jim Caviezel. The Passion like just seared his image in my mind. And... When Passion came out, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I don't need to see any more Jesus movies. This is all I need. This is him. And then... And then The Chosen came out. And that's this Jesus over here. Now, I didn't want to watch The Chosen for that very reason because I I already had it made up in my mind that Jen Gencovizel was Jesus. And through lots of social pressure and guilt and shame... People in this church made me watch The Chosen. I'm torn. I don't know what to do. They're both working for me right now. I love Chosen Jesus. Chosen Jesus is, I mean, he brings a gravity into the character that has to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because, like, I'm watching this. I'm trying to like not cry. And I usually don't cry in movies. No, this one's good. I don't know what to do. Is it chosen Jesus or is it Passion Jesus? I think we need to have a cage fight and let these two battle it out and see who wins. But they're they're both really good. And I think for me personally, I needed both representations of Jesus, both Passion Jesus. And chosen Jesus at different points in my life passion Jesus seems to be a little more serious like he's facing the cross he's going through some horrific stuff Uh, chosen Jesus hasn't done that yet in the series as far as I know and so the passion Jesus really highlighted the passion of Jesus that he was a man and that he was inflicted, chosen Jesus is very relational. Very like I can remember when uh, when the the politicians were fighting about stuff and like, well, can you have a beer with that president? Like I can have a beer with this Jesus. Do you, you see the difference? Like I just feel like like he's gonna come. He's gonna ring my doorbell and come into my house. He's gonna sit down at our table and he's gonna he's gonna talk to us with. With care and empathy. And so they're different artistic representations of who Jesus is. Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Who is more important out of the Trinity? Again, the wrong question, but this will help. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That's what scriptures say. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Thank God that we have Jesus. Because we have an image, right? We have a lot to work with. The image of God in the form of Jesus gives us a very human and relation, relational connection to our Creator. Artists not only have a hard time depicting the Holy Spirit, they have a terrible time depicting God the Father. They usually depict Him as looking like Zeus. But Jesus is something different. He's captured our imagination. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Like, what? I thought Adam was the firstborn over all creation. No, Jesus is. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. So now we're getting into some very powerful stuff about the very nature of creation. So this man, however you want to picture him in your mind, whether it's Jim Caviezel, Passion Jesus, or whether it is Chosen Jesus, Asian Jesus, Black Jesus, whatever you need to do, that image of the invisible God, he created everything by his spoken word, by the Logos. Jesus is the Logos. He was there in Genesis 1 at the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. God spoke, and then the Spirit hovered over the waters. We get the very first snapshot of Trinity in Genesis 1. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. That's a key scripture for us to understand right there. Okay? When I'm talking about who's more important, well, again, they're all equal. They're all equally important. But for you and me, this scripture rings true. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. That's us. He is in the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. That means he's he's the first to overcome death. Uh, We're going to do that too. Isn't that fun? Jesus won victory over death, and so will you. You're either going to die or be raptured, or I don't know what's going to happen. But you're going to have victory over that death. So that in everything, he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things. And you are all things. You are being reconciled to God the Father through Jesus, making peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God or once you were enemies of God, enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith if you continue there's a i always hate it when the bible puts an if in there makes me a little scared if you continue in your faith. Established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard that had been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So, So maybe I've done a decent job saying that Jesus is important. Practically, in your everyday life, what does that mean? All right, so maybe you get close to understanding proper theology, and maybe you, maybe you might get close to having a, a decent concept of the Holy Trinity. So what? So what if your theology is sound? So what? How can you apply that to your everyday life? Frankly, it goes back to how you see Jesus. Let's put up the pita. The Pieta by Michelangelo is probably one of his greatest works. I mean, it's all debatable. Was it the ceiling? Was it David? Well, my, my, this one's pretty dang good. The Pieta. Formed with Mary and Jesus' body in, the, in a, like, almost like a perfect pyramid shape, structure is super appealing to the eye. It feels good when you look at it. It feels good when you see it. Is iconic Mary she's ginormous by the way if she was to stand up she'd be 12 feet tall she's actually bigger than Jesus like wow that's kind of that's okay Michelangelo is not being disrespectful to Jesus at all he's more concerned about form and design but what we do know about this painting is how or excuse me this sculpture is how Michelangelo perceived, and saw Jesus. So this is the Pieta. This is the moment Jesus is pulled off the cross. He's dead. Dead, dead. Not mostly dead. He's dead. His body has no life in it. And yet, Michelangelo does something very interesting. I couldn't get a good zoom. But if you actually look close enough, you will see on Jesus' hands and in his arms, his veins are raised. So even though, like, yeah, he ain't looking too good, right? He looks dead. What Michelangelo is giving us, he's giving us a clue to who Jesus is. he Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's not dead. We know this as believers. Now, what it means for you as, a, as as you're walking with the Lord, you need to come to the realization that Jesus is alive in your life today. I mean, it might feel like hardened stone. You might feel like you've lost your first love. Again, maybe you don't have the same faith that you did do that you do now than you did when you were a teenager, when you're completely in love with the concept of who Jesus is. Maybe you don't have that same love. I want to refer you back to the veins in Michelangelo's Jesus. He is alive. He is immovable. Just because we see it differently doesn't mean it's not true. He's still alive. And he still wants to go into a personal relationship with you. Jesus. And he's given you all these different ways that you can relate to him. Maybe he needs to look like our painting from Hyatt Moore for you. There's there's no excuse to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I would argue that however you want to go about it, you will know you're having a, a personal relationship with Jesus when you feel what I felt when I saw chosen Jesus. You know, my, my heart was hard, like I was cynical, I was skeptical, I'm like, this can't be nearly as good, right? But when I was in his presence, when I was in that image, I felt the gravity of Christ. I felt the power of his resurrection in a film, in a, in a work of art. Come on. How does Jesus do that? It's an art to that. He can use any medium that he wants to go into a personal relationship with you. Now, if you're like me, and you have to have everything figured out logically and orderly, if you need to, if you need to make sense of everything, and if you're going crazy, trying to make sense of the Trinity, I'm speaking from experience about drove myself crazy trying to understand the Trinity. If you've ever done that. Like, it's, it could be valuable, because we're supposed to engage God with our mind, right? Like, I am not one to poo-poo theologians. But diagrams and illustrations about the Holy Spirit they're all going to break down what is modeled the trinity is not mentioned in the bible there's no word in the bible that says trinity but what is what is in the bible is how we approach him we approach him with that personal relationship with Jesus Christ it is the people of god dedicating themselves to prayer Submitted, where the Holy Spirit comes and leads, and then there is a connection to the Christ, the anointed one. There's a connection to Jesus that is absolutely undeniable. And when we have that connection to Jesus through the reconciliation of the cross. It leads us into the presence of the loving Heavenly Father. Instead of it being a diagram, I just want to encourage you to see it as being a process. That initial introduction into who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. You get to know Jesus. Jesus said this himself. You get to know Jesus, you get to know God. Yeah? You get to know Jesus, you get empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Yeah? So, for you and me, we have to have the human connection. We have to have that intimate relationship, that human connection to a real physical, breathing, living, vein-popping Jesus. We have to have that relationship with him. If we don't, our connection with the Holy Spirit will be all messed up and sideways, unhealthy and wrong, maybe even witchcraft if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and all you want is the creator God, well, you're going to get lost in some very dark stuff. You have to connect to that power, the power of the, 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 the creator of all the universe. You have to connect to that power through a relationship with Jesus. And in your own personal life, okay, I know you have problems. I know you have heartache and fear. I know you're disillusioned. Freaking out on the inside. You need, gener- you need Jesus interceding for you. Like he's, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Look, if we just sat down with Jesus, if we just invited the real Jesus to our table on a personal one-on-one relationship every day, did you know... That your stress will melt away? If you see Jesus as alive in your life, your stress will melt away. I'm not saying that you won't have problems. Jesus himself said, in this life you will have problems. But I have overcome the world. Amen? He has overcome it. He has overcome everything. Everything that you've ever ever struggled with, Jesus has already overcome, and he has the victory over it. So if you see his beating veins as being the life force of your life, all of your problems, all of your sin, all of your failures, they will be overcome, and you will live in victory. Amen? That's how good our God is. So before... You approach the throne room of the Father God, be in relationship with Jesus. Before you ask for power from the Holy Spirit, make sure you're in relationship with Jesus. He's not more important, he's equal, but for us, he's the entry way in. Okay, the band come on up to the front. you grab your elements. This is another illustration of why Jesus needs to be our priority. Cuz we don't practice We don't practice this rite, this um, sacrament in any other way. This sacrament is about Jesus. The sacrament is not about the Holy Spirit. It's not about God the Father. It's about Jesus. So communion in and of itself needs to be telling us that this is the way Jesus is the way. He's connecting us to the divine. In fact, Jesus says, there is no other way to God except through Jesus. That's a sobering thought for people and family and friends that believe in a higher power, but they don't believe in Jesus. This is the body of Christ. This is the way in. And it is also the way of victory. Do you just bow your heads? Do some business with God right now. Because the scriptures say if you eat of this bread and drink of this wine with any unforgiveness in your heart or bitterness towards your friends and family, if you do that, you'll be eating and drinking judgment upon yourself if you're harboring any sin that you have not confessed, confession is liberating. At least confess that sin in your mind to Jesus. He already knows that it's there anyway. And then get some people around you Whom you can talk to about your struggles. So Heavenly Father, before we take part of your son's body. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. We come before you with our fears and insecurities. Our broken and contrite heart. We say we need we need to be a part of your body. Receive the body of Christ for your stability for your structure security. Just think about Michelangelo's Pieta, and the details of that sculpture, with the veins raised high because the blood is still pumping. When you receive this cup, you are receiving the life force of Jesus into your body. Without the shedding of innocent blood, there are no forgiveness of sins. He is the first of all creation. He is the first of the resurrected. He was and is and always has been. And everything was made and created for him and by him. the logos Jesus gives you his blood to drink not only for the washing away of our sins but also for the healing of our bodies and the victory over death itself receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the regeneration of your body. you At this moment, you are all, if you did this right, white as snow. Saints walking in the glory of God. So this week, choose to sin a little less. Choose to faith a little more. And have a longer conversation with Jesus. You're going to come into church next week better than you came in this week. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. To be gracious towards you. To turn towards you in your times of need and trouble. And despite what the world throws at you, may the Lord give you peace. A peace that transcends all of this craziness. A peace from God that allows you to laugh with Jesus. He is going to go before you and prepare a way. Bless you all. Have a powerful day.